Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and we've got a game to recap. Texas, unlike damn near everybody else in the Big 12, took care of business on opening weekend. 59-3 over UTEP. We didn't even do predictions on this show last mm-hmm. week because we were just wondering if they were going to cover the 43. And uh, what do they say, gentlemen? Good teams win, great teams cover. Yeah, there you right. go. So that is, a, that is an A-plus uh, outcome for Texas in the opener. The first game of the fourth year of the Tom Herman era, and we will break it all down on this week's edition of Longhorn Blitz. Let me bring in the rest of the team who will be along with me for this latest adventure. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about yourself? How's your game watching experience? Oh year, man, man, it was it was awesome. It was just so much sports going on, and then Texas finally looked the way you sort of remember or feel Texas should look, but haven't say for a decade. And it was like, ah, all right, I like him where this is trending. If you don't remember Texas football, if you can't easily recall Texas football from let's say like two thousand one to two thousand nine, uh, yeah, you don't. You're it's a little bit foreign what happened on Saturday because that used to be the norm around here uh hopefully the longhorns are getting back to that a man who was on the 40 acres when that was the norm uh a 27-0 shutout victory of north texas in the season opener his senior year uh people shouted that down uh went in by 27 points and shut the <laughs> opponent out was once upon a time blasphemous but uh times have changed but uh his legacy on the 40 acres lives on he is our lockdown corner here on longhorn blitz Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was on football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro. As always, brother, I appreciate it. Rod seeing a 56-point win. Did it feel a little bit, uh, a, a little bit, even in the COVID world we're living in right now, feel a little bit uh, like things should be? No, it was uh, definitely satisfying for, you know, a lot of Longhorn fans out there who have been asking of this, you know, of this regime, Tom Herman and, and his coaching staff, to have these guys play to a standard and not to their competition. And right. UTEP is a really bad team. They're horrible. They're really bad. They need to drop down to a low level of football. They're just bad. Yeah. It's the worst in yeah, like FBS. It's, yeah, it's, it's – I mean, I'm serious. I'm not joking. Like, they need to do that for their own sake. But that's a different discussion. But um, the Texas didn't play to their, that competition. That competition of they wow. played to a really, really high uh, standard. And, yeah, they won't look that good as the competition gets better. I can guarantee you that. But – for the first game of the season, and we know they'll get better. I thought it was a tremendous debut for the 2020 team. I thought it was one of the best debuts we've ever seen that I've ever seen in Texas football history. Been a, it's been a long time since we've seen something yeah. like that in an opener. And where, we always play scrubs in the opening. Usually. Where pretty much from the first possession, it's it's ball game. 
It's amazing. It sort of reminded me, and it's odd parallel because I know Rod have been comparing it to this team, but just in my mind right now, I was thinking back. I'm pretty sure that was that how the 4 season against North Texas opened quite Six, similar. Sixty-two nothing, yeah. Sixty-two zero North Texas zero four season. That was a bud Same type of makeup yeah. of the roster. No, I it's it, it was and, and Sam Ellinger led the charge. I mean, he was the guy that led the charge. I mean, th- there are a lot of great stories that we'll get to, mm-hmm. and we'll start offense and defense. But I'm glad that Sam to me was the guy that asserted himself as mm-hmm. the leader. He is the one that's going to set the tone. That's exactly what he did. He looked like Dad Sam. I wrote it down. It was like it was it like was. he was a father of the it team. Was, man. He, he was looked yeah. upset at mistakes, but he gave a look of disappointment. You know, he was just wanting perfection. It was all the things that are fatherly. Yeah. He just happens to be a senior quarterback that loves the university the way say a father loves a son. Guys, it's great. it's really kind of the best case scenario opener for Texas because you handle your business. The game is never in doubt. You know, the box score looks appealing to the eye. The eye test was good. But as we'll get into, you still got a lot to work on. You know, mm-hmm. the truncated camp and, and some of that showed up a little bit, I think, uh, along the line of scrimmage is, I think, really where it showed up. And then we'll get to that as we move on to the show. But, Rod, mm-hmm. I want to start on your side of the ball. I want to start on defense. And when you look at this Chris Ash defense, uh, I went back and looked at these statistical areas. These were better than any performance that the 2019 defense had in 13 games. Well, it was also going up against UTEP. It was going against UTEP. <laughs> so, ex- as expected, well, these should, should be this good. Yeah, right. there you go. But exactly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and when you look at but bigger picture, when you look at the Tom Herman era, Fewest points allowed since the 56 nothing shutout of San Jose State in year one. Uh, same thing for total yards, 233. Uh, same thing for yards per play, 3.3. 43 rushing yards allowed. That's the fewest since 2018 season when you held USC. You USC had minus five rushing yards in that game. <laughs> Crazy. I can't believe that. I think a lot of that was sack yardage. But SC, we talked about they stopped trying to run the ball. Yeah, they are just saying that Sam Darnold win it. Yep. No, that was JT Daniels. Yeah. That was the year after? Yeah. Oh, man. They had that. A queen, I don't know what St. Brown the receiver. I guess they got down. So, they got down so early though. They yeah. They end up getting down early, right? And then now Daniel yeah, they're running like the ball early. They're running the ball early and then just stop trying to run it. But uh, anyway, that's uh, yards per. So same thing for yards per carry. One point three yards per carry. Uh, it, it's the it matches the uh, the uh, third down conversion rate. I believe from that San Jose State game, three for sixteen. UTEP was on third down. So Rod, when you look at this defense. You buried an inferior opponent, which you were supposed to do. Yep. But I've there were two things that really stood out to me defensively. Number one, the numbers aren't going to show it, but the eye test tells you how good this defensive line could be. When you looked at the consistent push guys were getting, UTEP tried to run the ball, and they had no chance to mm-hmm. run it against that Texas front four. We didn't see it. I don't think we saw hardly any pressures from Chris Ash except maybe on some third and long situations. Mm-hmm. Everything else was trying to get pressure with the front four, and I'm not saying they're Sean Rogers and Casey Hampton, but if you're going to get that more often than not from Keandre Coburn and Tavondre Sweat, then you got a chance to beat pretty much anybody on your schedule. Yeah, uh, and they played a lot of guys against against UTEP, which they should have, but I'm with you. I think the defensive line, and I didn't, you know, I, I really didn't necessarily need the eye test to confirm it. I've heard enough reports, and I've heard, and I've, Talk to enough people who are insiders to know that defensive line potentially behind you know the the running back group and might even right there with it is maybe the most talented group right now on, yeah. on the forty acres. What surprised me and I really really liked them. Like I said, it's UTEP, so I get it. But the corners were really physical, and That's for the first time in a long time, they actually at the line of scrimmage really decided they wanted to prioritize getting a jam on the receivers or at least getting their hands on the wide receivers to reroute them. Hadn't seen that in a while. Even the Josh Thompson interception, go look at it. It's basically great footwork. He's staying in front of the wide receiver. He's getting his hands on them. And then he opens up, uh, turn toward the, the quarterback, opens up, and ends up getting a great athletic interception. Textbook. Yeah. And Josh Thompson, I mean, it's, it's crazy that, to think that he – has kind of wandered through the system here at Texas with Todd Orlando um, and couldn't really find a home, just let you know that different coaches prioritize different skill sets and things like that. But yet Chris Ash loves Josh Thompson, right, and loves how physical he is, loves his physical presence at the line of scrimmage, and he is. He's consistently trying to get his hands on guys 
And I think you saw, to me, that stood out. Like I said, it's UTEP, so it made it a little bit easier. But the corners were rerouting the wide receivers, making life a lot easier on those uh, those, high, those those safeties, whether it was single high or they had two safeties back there. I thought tackling was better. I mean, again, it's UTEP, but <laughs> Rod, there were only maybe two or three plays in this game. You don't need two hands to count the number of plays where maybe there was a missed tackle. Yeah, or got to I got to go angle. track them, but I would say it was less than five. Yeah, yeah, I was, not, I was like saying right around four or yeah. five, somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so o- overall, ta- tackling was good, but you talk about the corners. I think the guy I was most impressed with was Demarvin Overshone, and I think we knew that him going to Will linebacker was going to be a good fit. But to watch it in action, I'm I look at the box score rod, and this is how you know a guy had a good game. I looked at the box score, I was like, there's no way he only had, uh, there's no way he only had four tackles. <laughs> Always hmm. around the ball. Yeah, like it seemed like he was always around the ball. Like, Very active. No way he only had four tackles. Very but active. He only had he finished the game with four tackles, two tackles for loss. I, I thought Demarvin Overstone at Will was really good. Rod, is there anything that and again it's UTEP? Like we keep saying that, but you have to preface it because Court Jaquist thing is it, I gotta say stood out to me. And it, you know what? It's two different <laughs> coaching regimes where yeah, Court Jaquist has forced his way onto the football field. So it's Court, dying breed and old linebacker. <laughs> yeah, it's it, Court it, Jaquist. He's old Big Twelve. I mean, that's Big Twelve. When I used to play, Court Jaquist would have been a perfect linebacker. We need one guy out there. In that today's can Big Twelve, Dorvion Overshone is the perfect Big Twelve linebacker. So and it's gonna be interesting. And it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. I saw Juwan Mitchell for, I mean, he, you didn't see much of Juwan Mitchell mm, early on. No. Not in those reps where the starting group were, at least the starting rotation of guys was playing a lot. So the linebacker position going forward is going to be really, really interesting to follow. I saw Jed Bush get some time. So they're trying to exhaust all possibilities at linebacker. If that defense does have a vulnerability and a weak spot, it's definitely going to be linebacker. Not saying it is. I'm just saying if it's going to have one because I see safety being a strength. Safety's played great. We'll talk about them. And that D-line. I think the D-line protecting Overshone, not allowing those offensive linemen to get to the second level. He plays clean. That's why he's so fast to the football. Uh, There will be a concerted effort by other teams when they play and get into conference play to try to get a a body on Overshone. There was was one play, uh, I believe it was in the first quarter, and it was a drop-back pass, and – Texas, I don't even think he got credited with the pressure. I'm trying to look at the hmm. box right now. But, man, Keandre Coburn takes yeah. the left hmm. guard and drives him, puts him on skates, and takes him back to about within a step of the quarterback. Yeah. I think and I remember this. Tavondre, things we were wanting to see. Tavondre Sweat makes a similar play later in the game. And, yeah, you hit the nail on the head, Matt. We, we talked about that. Can you go, you know, talking to people close to that UTEP program, that's the one matchup that they – did not feel good about at all and had no idea what they were going to do would be their offensive line against that Texas defensive line because when Dana Dimmel and that staff started looking at that Texas defensive mm-hmm. line, they're like, they're so big, they're so athletic, <laughs> they're so deep. It's going to be a long night. Yeah. And, and that defensive line made it a long night. Even those young bucks, man. Yeah, Alfred see it, Al- yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, Alfred Collins. His body, uh, you see him make amazing. one play and you're like, dude. all right, they don't have, we haven't had any. That's an SEC dude. That's a Bama dude. That's one of those guys that you don't have, see bodies like that in college football. Rod, right in the same, like a war daddy, in the same way that like Leonard Davis and Sean Rogers, back mm. when you played, were guys you wanted getting off the bus first. Alfred Collins is the guy you want getting off the bus first when you show up to go play a game. Yeah, and it looks like he's going to grow it's, into a body like no, no, like, that, crazy. That's not even his grown man. Oh, body. I know that's exactly. his. That's lanky, his young, young, yeah, young eighteen-year-old body. Look at eighteen-year-old like Arakpo <laughs> when Arakpo showed up and was two hundred twenty pounds imagine. before the fifty pounds yeah. of muscles added. This is like a three hundred pounder with that. He's like and, a Great Dane puppy. It is a hundred percent like those big lab puppies that just uh, <laughs> yeah. falling around the and big just knocking everything. Oh, he's going to be huge. It's one thing. It's one thing when you know you go like you go to a high school all star game like I did at the All American Bowl and you watch Alfred Collins on the field <laughs> with some of the best high school players in the country and you're like, there's no question he is the biggest, <laughs> strongest guy out here and guys six five three hundred should not be that athletic. It's one thing to see it there, <laughs> but then to see it on a college football field when as a, as a true freshman you might be that dude on a defensive Crazy. line that's this talented and this deep. Yeah. Rod, that's that's the kind of stuff that gets you drafted in the first round in three or four years. No, mm-hmm. I mean, and he's forced as well on the field. I mean, that, he's one one of those guys where it's it's you're not thinking about red shirting a guy like that. He's just got to play. 
No, and he's this year with play. the odd year of eligibility, everyone's playing too. Everyone's and playing then, anyway. Good point. And he's the guy that's going to be gone in two years. Like that was my first reaction when I saw the first couple plays of him. He's like, oh yeah, well we can enjoy this one, and he's got two more to go after that. But him, and then like you said, Jeff Coburn at the beginning in the first half when you saw just some of the plays that he made is the dominating both lines of scrimmage yeah. was really big. But yeah, to have the upside and then the depth to be able to when you haven't talked about depth except for at the DB area. But now you're talking D-line has depth. And then if somehow, like Rod was talking about with the linebackers, Jacquez turns into being a guy that you can rely on, now you're starting to have depth at linebacker Mm because you have a guy like Mitchell behind him when you sort of looked around. We're like, we only need two of them. You can't get one to get hurt. And now you may have three to fill that too, so it could be serviceable and you could survive an injury. So it's starting to get to that point where a roster's filling out, or at least the two deep, how you need it to be with elite level toward the drop off between the top front and really isn't much. What, what have yep. we talked about on this show since we started in 2012? Talented depth. Yeah. Can you get to the point where you got talented depth? And We're starting to see positions on this team, Rod, where they've got talented depth. I want to stay on defense for uh, a little bit more before we go to the offense because I know there's a a lot to unpack offensively. But other than the defensive line play and what I saw from Marvin Overshone, you talk about Josh Thompson, I think maybe the single play I felt that made me feel like, okay, I like where this is headed on defense. You go to the first quarter, it's UTEP's third possession, which Texas is already up 21-0 at this Mm -hmm. point. Uh, It's third and 10 from UTEP's on their minus 25. And Gavin yeah. Hardison just throws it out trying to go to the sideline. And you see Caden yeah. Stearns go hash the boundary and break up a pass. I'm like, that's the Caden Stearns that we saw in 2018. That's not the Caden Stearns we saw hardly at all last year. So we talk about it, guys. If Caden if Stearns is right, a healthy Caden Stearns completely changes the complexion of what you can do defensively because yeah. he's just that good on your back end. Yeah. No, the safeties look. I mean, they looked like they looked fast. It looked like they were playing uh, with a lot less anxiety, and looked like they were, you know, kind of uh, playing more with muscle memory. So, I, mm-hmm. and Chris, Chris said he was going to remove a lot of the obstruction from these guys and and let them think less and just play fast. And that's what I think I saw out there. I thought I saw a lot less guys trying to diagnose and examine and break down the play and just go play loose, and fast, and free and that's when Caden Stearns is at his best, man. His instincts are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Once the ball is snapped, post-snap, his instincts take over, and that's what makes him a potential you know, first-round pick. Yeah, I mean, that's what we saw what looked like what we saw against the USC game a couple years ago when he was a freshman and just totally dominated that game. And all and, off instincts. And yes, and, that, and, and now, and, I mean, you see the confidence. Now it is UTEP. I mean, you look at the S&P Plus, and UTEP's out of 77 teams. You have, like, negative 31, you have yeah, negative 23 and 18. Yeah. So, like, they're a whole nother level of bad. So that's <laughs> another point, just making sure that we aren't exaggerating. Yeah, but no that's why... It's worth pointing out Texas dominated. It's what you're supposed to do. And they played so confident that it sort of fed with one another. Like the DBs look so mm-hmm. confident back there. That's something you didn't see last year. Everyone looked healthy and seemed to sort of stay healthy. We'll get updates on some of those situations and see where they end up. But that's all you need to see for now. Rod, uh, the, the one concern, I think, not concern, question mark, defensively, uh, you know, you hear some people might have some mixed reviews on Chris Adamora at the spur position from game one. What, what mm-hmm. did you take away from watching him, good, bad, or indifferent? Uh, I got to go back and break it down, like I said, a little bit more. But I, I don't know if anybody on the defense necessarily graded out as a, a negatively. Um, okay. It's, you know I mean? I, got, I, I mean, just, just looking off the eye test alone, I'm trying to think if somebody just had a really, really bad game. I remember when Juwan Mitchell went there and he missed like a – a read on you know the the inside wide receiver right uh, you know so offensively I, I, I know that Eagles was the one that Ellinger got upset with the, on a read but yeah, it was just so a I'm couple saying, plays like, like that. a so few I, simple plays yeah. that was just a, I got to go back and track Adamora um, but I mean I wouldn't say he stood out to me as having a bad game now whether he had a great game or not that I don't know if that's fair for me and to and even say. like a th- you know a guy like Kenyatta Watson gives up a play down the field, but then comes and gets comes back, back and makes a play. And the only reason he gave up the play is because he didn't get a jam on the receiver. I mean, if you go back and watch it, he's essentially almost running step for step with the right receiver. The right receiver may have a half a step on him, but I would say, you know, Kenyatta Watson's a freak of nature, so he can close that usually. Mm-hmm. But it was it was actually probably the best throw of the night for yeah. Gavin Hart. Right? It, I, it was a it was a perfect throw. It was a good throw. It was yeah. a good throw. And but if he get a, if he got a jam on wide receiver, a jam of any kind. 
he'd have he'd have messed up the timing of the route. The, mm-hmm. the reason that the throw was perfect because the timing was perfect. It was perfect. I mean, with 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 the foot with the quarterback's footwork, everything was on time to to the point where the pass rush couldn't get there because everything was on point. If he had just if he had just obstructed the wide receiver a little bit, made him change up his route and his release point. I mean that that wouldn't it probably wouldn't have been completed. There's a good chance that Kenyatta Watson would have got a hand on the ball. But that's why that Chris Ash that quarters, you know that that you know that that shadow coverage as they call it. I think they call it the, uh, you know I think is it's a big part of it is he wants you to get your hands on the wide receivers or reroute them. That yeah. that has a reverberating domino effect, a positive one on the entire. Uh, defense and how it works and how the the mechanics of the defense work and, and how they how they how they interact with each other and how it impacts the offense directly on just the timing yeah. concept because of that and I mean that's it seems so simple but it's it's worth the risk reward because that's why some coaches are if you coach with fear you're afraid of getting burnt and you, and you don't or you don't have confidence in your guys to go up to the line to be able to do it but if you understand and trust your guys it's the most simple way to disrupt anything in the most effective time. It's like a fast break. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Whenever you have the first few seconds mm-hmm. within the route, if you can eliminate the concept of a pass rush, so if you can get the ball off in less than three seconds or less than 2.5 seconds, what's the biggest threat to an offense to a passing game to anything? It's pass rush. It's mm-hmm. being able to get that pressure to go, then be able to cut, force a turnover or a bad play. Well, the only way that you can stop that is by getting rid of the ball within before the pass rush is physically possible able to get there and that's definitely within the first two seconds and that's where if you're able as dbs to reroute those players in that small amount of time it can break down and now you have countered against their counter that can actually negate the most valuable aspect of defense which is that pass rush Rod, from a technique standpoint real quick before we shift to the offense and talk about that side of the ball there's a video from Chris Chris Ash from a QA and uh, a when he was at Ohio State a little media availability where he's asked about press coverage and I think he said something interesting I think there's a misconception when you think press coverage you think of guys just being up in a receiver's face and just jamming but Chris Ash said one of the misconceptions about press coverage is it's not about lunging at a guy you don't want to lunge at a guy and and Mm -mm. run the risk of no you know him swimming right by he said really he said really he said really when you talk about press coverage it's about proper hand placement and footwork and and patience like yeah he said it's not about just lunging at a guy just getting into his chest it's yeah there's there's a technique involved yeah yeah i mean it's patience is key i mean josh thompson we talked about his interception i mean go back and watch his footwork he stays in front of the wide receiver. The wide receiver's got to go through you. If you open the gates, you just got to make it easy on them. A lot of guys open the gates. That means they open their hips way too early one way or another, revealing their leverage, right? You don't necessarily want to reveal your leverage. You can be a, a shade outside or a shade inside, mm-hmm. uh, but you'd like to be as patient as possible to reroute that wide receiver, get your hands on them. Once you get your hands on them, you know, then you can uh, then you can worry about opening your hips to wherever the receiver is. If he goes an inside release or an outside release, but it, you know that you can do a kick step. A lot of I mean, everybody's got different techniques. There's a shuffle. There's a kick step while you're down there. Just try to make sure that you to try to you know because your reaction naturally is going to be either to backpedal or to try to open and run and all of these different techniques and these different concepts are used to try to keep you patient at the line of scrimmage and keep you square so that you'll get your hands on the wide out at one point. He's going to come to you. Yeah. He's got to come through you. You just got to mm. remember that. It's, it, mm. And most people can't do it because they're freaking out the and whole patience, time. Though, and, they, and when you're going up against a C.D. Lamb, trust me, it ain't as easy to be patient right. as, as when you're going up against a UTEP guy but because it's all about fear. Hearing you, you talk about guy, it, it's always like martial arts. It's like because, I mean, by defense, you're having to watch the next action, but then mentally you have to be prepared for whatever it is, and then you're quickly reacting to what yeah. the offense is giving you. But well, if you go you. quickly and are just a little too eager, and then you go out in front of yourself or do something before you need to or before you're told to by the offensive players, you know, movements or whatever his keys are, then that's when you get yourself in trouble. Everybody's a little different. Some guys are faster, so, you know, it doesn't matter as much. 
But most, I mean, if you, you're you just a technician, stay square. You want to try to get your hands on them. And that's what I saw the DBs trying to do. You can tell they've been working the, the press coverage technique with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Rod, before we move to offense, Matt, a- anything you want to add defensively, good, bad, or indifferent? Oh, just, well, you brought up Overshone, but looking at the way that the safeties played, it really was impressive. It just seemed as if there was no chance for UTEP to do anything, which is what you should be doing against. <sighs> Rod, you're right. That, yeah. that offense is just... I yeah, mean, it's they're, bad. They're not good. They gotta do something. They gotta do. I mean, it's they. They got. They gotta do something. That that's not working. Whatever UTEP's doing is just not working. Yeah, when some a school <laughs> like Texas State has passed you up, sort of in there. Like when you look at it, it's like because you would have thought that's absurd to be like Texas State's better than UTEP until okay. like the yeah. last year or so. But like seeing you just a few snaps from Texas State each of the last two weeks in context, totally it's agree. like oh yeah, they're already systemically just. Football-wise, yeah. they're so much further ahead, maybe with the same level of I mean, players. Rod of 12 FBS programs in the state, they're they're 12, and there's no no question about it, right? They're in a different state, though, basically. <clears throat> Pretty much, The yeah. truth is, yeah. yeah I mean, they're so – yeah, that's, unfortunately, they're basically another state. They're not <laughs> even in the, the – the, 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 they're close enough to the metro areas in Texas to get the talent. Or even, that, even East Texas or West Texas, though, has some of the talent. They just they don't have that up there in Utah. No. When you cross from Louisiana into Texas, it says like 887 miles or something. I believe it's further from the east side of Texas than L.A. That's how close El Paso is to L.A. in context to the wide state Oh, yeah. No, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's some, <laughs> yeah. There's a freaky stat it's like absurd. that. It's absurd. It's closer that. to L.A. Yeah. than the yeah. other side of East Texas. Yeah. So we knew – look, we knew this wasn't going to be a, a – a great challenge for this Texas defense, but just in the context of, look, just don't give us any reason to question what's going on going forward. That They didn't do that. They It was, like yeah. you said, we just went through the numbers. It was domination from the jump. Yeah, I was watching, you know, missed tackles and explosive plays. I didn't see many, like I said, missed tackles and use. That's what led to explosive plays. And last year, early on, you can start to see that, even with going up against you know Louisiana Tech, and of course going up against LSU, you start to see some of that—the explosive plays and the missed tackles. Didn't see as many this year. And remember, that's Chris Ash's specialty is tackling. So that's something I think going forward that everybody's gonna be paying close attention to. Uh, talk about explosive plays, Rod. I've got UTEP down. What I'm looking at, Two? three chunk, uh, okay. four chunk plays. Oh, four okay. Uh, 15, 15 or more yards in a pass game, 10 or more yards in a run game, three passes, uh, one run of 18 yards. I think okay. only maybe one of them in the first half. Uh, I've got two of them in two the first half. Okay. Two of the passing plays were in the first half. But like we said, Texas. I think I remember. Well, yeah, of course. Texas I think got I up so early that it just it didn't, it didn't really matter. Yeah. yeah. And if you want to look at Texas chunk, chunk plays, Rod, how's oh, this for your explosive play advantage? Uh, if you win explosive 16 to 4, Wow. You're probably winning a lot of football games. Yeah, four times the amount. <laughs> yeah. No, that's – uh. yeah, and I'm trying to think. I can't remember all the – so how many were runs for uh, UTEP? One. One was a run. Yeah. And it was in the fourth quarter. Okay, maybe that's why I can't remember it. It's yeah. vague to me. <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to remember that run that was explosive for them. Yeah, it was I remember the passes, quarter. though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Rod, speaking of explosive plays, that's a good place to start on offense. And something yeah. you told me – and you're starting to hear it more and more and more from NFL people. It's funny, like how uh, us following the Big Twelve, how we talk about stuff, and then a few years later, oh, guys yeah. that cover the NFL talk about it like it's some revolutionary idea. Like, no, we were talking about that four or five years. Four or five years ago, five years ago. Yeah. A late to the as party, Andy Reid said, college has been yeah. ahead. College is five years ahead of the NFL because he's very a genius. <laughs> because now you're talking about NFL NFL guys, guys that cover the league, say, oh, well, yeah, you don't you don't need to run the football to run play action. Yeah, watched the Cowboys last we, night on third and ten deep ball to win the game. It Rams taught you that too. Yeah, we've, we've been seeing that in the Big Twelve for years Forever. and years and years. Just do and, it. And Rod, something you brought up several years ago that really stuck with me. Uh, your theory is kind of, hey, play action them early because they don't know your your run game sucks yet. They have no idea. They don't they're, know what your run game. They're freaking looks like. out about it. Yeah, exactly. And in the age of the RPO, it doesn't even matter if your run game is terrible. Uh, you're still going to play action people. And that Rod, that was. That f- opening play, the first play from scrimmage, it's the first time since 2004, mm-hmm. Matt, that opener against North Texas, you talked about a 65 mm-hmm. nothing win where Cedric Benson goes in from 38 yards. It's the first time since then Texas has scored on the first play from scrimmage to start a season. And, Rod, it's just your simple, you know, I don't know if it's an RPO or if it's just a hard play action, but it's hard run action at the mesh point between Sam Allen and Roshan Johnson. It's Josh Moore on a slant. The safety takes a just a mm-hmm. horrible 
god awful angle, and <laughs> it's a seventy eight yard touchdown. Yeah, I would like to know if it's if it was a, if it was a true RPO too, because it didn't look like Sam intended to hand it off at all. Well, but everybody on the offensive line and mm-hmm. on the offensive front blocked for a run play. And, and and it was an RPO option on the backside, yeah, waiting on, on the backside because you had him on the screen, and he pumped so it. So I get, it. and he did pump it too. So I don't, I don't actually know. I mean, that could just be just kind of built in because he did that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where he has his, he's got essentially his hands on the front side of the football, so he's not really intending to hand it up. No, he's grabbing his grip to he's throw. He's grabbing it. his grip to throw. No, he's and then to throw. I'm like, so is he RPO? No, he's gonna, I think he just, he's just maybe it is the RPO, but Sam's like, I'm throwing it. Well, and it's the conceptual aspect <laughs> of it. yeah. And he could see what he had, too. But it's so perfect on the cell because you pointed it out perfectly there because when he goes, you have Whittington just running his little screen out yeah. to the right. And it's almost built in that whenever he has the zone read, he doesn't truly fake, but the shoulders show. But it's just his natural arm motion. But in building it within your natural arm motion to throw, why not show? And that's why the bad angle happened. That safety saw the show out to Whittington, saw the screen, took his first two steps to go towards the screen, and that got his angle just barely off that then whenever he pulls out to throw the slant, his angle's off by a foot or two. Andre Ware didn't talk about it, but I rewatched mm-hmm. it this morning, and it's yeah. totally on the grip. And when they, It's right? just yeah. a great formation crazy. or a great way or a process because you use what would be a simple already – play action with the possible RPO and be able to just throw the slant. But when you add, oh, well, if I'm already rotating my shoulders wide and looking this way, I can already make it show as if I'm throwing to Whittington, which sucks the safety in, which is why it was just so wide open. And I think it was similar to the same play to Colin Johnson to open up the second half in the OU game last year when it was the drop because I remember Colin breaking open and looking like he's going to go 90 yards for a touchdown, and then he's inside the safety and he just drops it. And and then it ends up being – because I just saw the play and I was like, oh, that's because I'm daily fantasy. I'm like, oh, man, Colin Johnson's going to go 90, and then he dropped it. And then it was like, oh, Moore's going 78. He's going on this one. It was a touchdown. Yeah, it almost works like a a pass-pass option Mm because – it's it's the you know the screen, it's the screen the or the or the skinny the skinny post, mm-hmm. but they essentially are totally totally course. mimicking the the run game. They're not they're not even offering it as an option really because if you but the defense can't see that. But you right. can oh, you can only see that his hand is on the front side of the ball if you're looking at the replay on the back side like us. You, they, the defense has no idea. No, so they the just defense, see run for a to second. them. It is a run pass option, but yeah. in in reality, no, it's. It's pass-pass. And yeah. it's per- perfect <laughs> manipulation. You it manip- is. And it's all the things it's we the asked triangle. for. It's the triangle of the old West Coast offense. As soon as that safety decides, as soon as that safety goes with Jordan Whittington to the to the screen, to the wide receiver screen, he clears open that skinny post. If you'll watch the pump fake, which I don't know if that's just automatic in that route concept or if that was Sam um, pump faking himself to try to really sell it, yeah. But it does sell to to the linebacker. The linebacker there is actually in a position to 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 deflect the ball and yeah. knock it down. He's right in the path. He's right in the window of where Sam wants to throw that skinny post to Josh Moore. But the pump fake actually not only sells the screen to Jordan Whittington, but it also it forces that linebacker to randomly run up, and then he clears the window through the linebacker. It was a brilliant play design. It really yeah, was. And it was I, nice. I wrote it down as a show, the way they would phrase it in like basketball, because he didn't even have the time to truly pump. But all you have to do he is just, show your shoulders. His elbow, his elbow kind of flick. It's, it's and like, I mean, it's just so <laughs> well structured as it a was. play that you have the consumption of the mind. With that safety, he has to see the run first, then to see the possibility of Whittington because the shoulders are now showing that, but then it's too quick. He doesn't even fake the pump that he then can get the He doesn't need the pump either. No, no, right. no. But I guess I thought maybe, that's why somebody wish someone would ask them, and I guess he would never tell you because that would be giving up like trade secrets. Right. If that was actually in the play where yours is just like, hey, once he's clears, pump it and then it'll, you know, you'll make sure that safety then goes down. It'll clear open that window and maybe pumps it because that linebacker's right there in the window and he needs to to get the remove the linebacker from it. I don't know, but but if you if you watch it, he can throw it if he's if it's not for the linebacker that he's pumping, he can throw it right mm-hmm. when the the skinny post clears. Yeah. But he doesn't. He waits. He waits to give the to pump sell. fake. To sell the fake. The and way, I wonder is it just the, the devil safety. in the details or did he, you know, 
see that linebacker. One, two seconds. Pump that safety, you got three things he's reading with that run, Whittington, and then it's already yeah. too late. So it's just well made. That was great. It was a well-designed play. It's, uh, you know, I want to get to the, the wide receiver specifically mm-hmm. and some other pieces of the offense uh, here in a second, Rod, as I go back and watch this play, uh, this first Oh, it was a great, I mean. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. Right? It's, yeah. You see the linebacker I think, there? I, I think that was. I think that was more so in the in just the play looking design? at it. I, no, I think that was more so Sam doing that, trying to clear the window. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's weird, right? Because he can yeah. throw it. He's like, you just, said, it's not really a pump. It's almost like flapping he, the chicken wing. It is. You know? It's all you have to do, though. It's like a, it's like a little like a basketball player oh, giving yeah. a little face, like a little head. Face, you know, yeah. it, it's it like, was great. It, and you great basketball analogy because you see LeBron does it constantly in Jokic, where you're just looking off defenders so you can get that. And it's yeah. like, oh, he did a no look pass. It's like no, but he, that, he was consuming yeah. the mind of He's that defender a little space. so he can get it open. Yeah. Lean, and your body toward, language does that yeah. with those shoulders. That's exactly and what he did. Just I so lean much toward that being a veteran quarterback who's seen that that time and again and just doing that like you said clear, he's like oh clear, they're gonna fall for it i know what to do but rod right. when when i looked at this offense you know i saw a lot of the things i wanted to see we saw they were in 11 personnel i think almost exclusively for like the first two or three drives yeah and then we saw some 12 you personnel got the 12 baby. I, don't, I don't remember did we see 10 at all you did during the situational two minute i believe they they may Man. have broken out 10 but i know i think they they were in 11 and 12 the whole time yeah I, yeah i think they were 11 and 12 the whole time so so we kind of yeah. saw from a personnel standpoint we kind of saw what we saw formationally I like the way they move the tight ends around. No, the Brewer got moved. He, was in, he lined up in, as a running yeah. back in the backfield and got motioned out. They did a lot of things. I mean, we, we saw there were times where Brayden Lebrock was the guy split out. So they did some different things with Al the tight was in line. Yeah. And in dirt sometimes. Rod, I, I love the, the things that I really liked uh, when you talk about the just play design and freeing guys up. And, and you talk about the tight end position specifically. The two plays that stand out, one was obviously the touchdown pass to Cade Brewer where he's kind of a little bit of a delayed release. And, oh, yes. And you know it's a good play design when yeah. your quarterback has his pick. Which <laughs> wide-open guy am I going to throw it to Yeah, right now? Because Moore was Because so he had Josh before. Moore. Like, there was nobody within 10 yards of Josh Moore. It was weird. Yeah, I yeah. love Moore. Moore, though, pointed. He was like, I already got my tud. Well, because I think, and this is what, just in my conceptually, I think in that play design, the way it's drawn up, Moore's supposed to clear everybody out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to be – I think UTEP UTEP busted the coverage so bad. <laughs> they did. They're supposed to have at least one guy over the top, and then he's supposed to be freaked out by Josh Moore running straight. And then that's why he threw it to Kate Brewer because his the assumption was, oh, he's clearing out. There's going to be a defender with Josh Moore, but nobody's going to catch Kate Brewer because he fake blocks. There's a fake block mm-hmm. right there, and then they pretend it's going to be a wide receiver screen, yeah. and then he leaks out, mm-hmm. and they assume, oh, he's going to be wide open. They didn't know Josh Moore would be that <laughs> wide open. So you could tell Sam was reading Kate Brewer the whole time. He obviously yeah. wasn't going, you know, in a true progression from yeah. Josh because if he did go a true progression, he'd have thrown to Josh yeah, Moore from the job. You're spot on because, like, it technically a coach me like, yeah, Sam, you might have missed it. against Oklahoma. A, you yeah. got to have your eyes open on everybody on the Great field. Point. But in that situation, like, I didn't. See See, they didn't show an angle from like all 22 or above. It was just the TV one. And it did look as if the guy that broke the coverage almost got in the passing viewing lane. Like Sam would have just had to throw it over him, which is very easy and had oh, a yeah. touchdown. No, it was a tougher but, throw. But his <laughs> mental aspect, it was easier to just throw it to Brewer because as he was throwing, that's when Brewer was opening wide open in the same vision, and it was just right behind him. It was, I mean, it was a tougher throw to Cade Brewer than Josh Moore. Yeah. A Josh Moore throw would have been oh, easier. Yeah. It, it, throw it well, because he was just standing there. alone. You're just <laughs> playing catch. It's like a punt. You just throw it up there like that. And I got to go back and watch the play, but that play was so well designed. I think they had Keontae Ingram like on a wheel concept on the backside. I think he was wide open too. So yeah. there, there were three there were mm. three different wide open guys. What I, mo- I love most about it, and I am love that Yersich is, is using some of these things, they're finally starting to use more pre-snap motion. He didn't overdo it with the pre-snap motion, but they're starting to use some of that, what you know, Sean Payton calls you know, lollipops, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the eye candy for the defense. Um, Brian Hurst used to call it funk. Mm-hmm. So you got to use it. If you go look at the, the plays with pre-snap motion, they're all they're Jordan Whittington at forty something yard gain, mm-hmm. pre snap motion yeah. play. The Cade Brewer touchdown, pre snap motion. They yeah. only did it like seven times when Sam Elling was the starting quarterback. They gained like eighty something yards on those plays. It is just giving the defense more information to process. Mm-hmm. So thank God somebody's going to. It's the same damn play that you used last year, Tom Herman, but just put a guy in motion to put him in that 
that that that twins or that trip set, whatever it is. I know it sounds like it's not a big deal. Defenses freak out about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It messes up their strength and uh, messes up the responsibility, switches up all kind of stuff just off a guy going in motion. Trust me. You know, tell me. It's no doubt about it. So Yersich knows that. You're going to see more of that too. Yeah. No doubt. I, I agree. Uh, the other play that I want to mention, actually, there's two more I wanted to mention, uh, just in terms of the wrinkles that we saw. There was the Braden Lebrock catch, the one catch that he had down the field. Oh, I love Similar it. Similar to the Cade Brewer play where they're showing bubble screen and he's looking like he's going to stock block on the corner and then releases and runs like an eight-yard stop. And he's wide open. And I'm like, that. I haven't seen a tight end scheme like that around here in forever. I, I actually, I man, I got I got it really, really excited when I saw that play because they were running the same concept. They ran it several times where they had, I think that was, it was 12 personnel exactly, because mm-hmm. Epps, Epps was in mm-hmm. there with them, and they had the, the tight ends and the wide receivers basically twins on each side with one wide receiver, one tight end on each side, and they had them almost stacked. It was almost, you know, I mean, a little, little loft set, but a yeah. stacked, basically a stacked formation, and they were bunched up in a stacked formation, and it just it forces the the defensive backs to choose, and also forces them to pick levels, mm-hmm. and that's all they took advantage of. Yeah. the yeah. levels. The defense had to put off levels, like, all right, well, you're gonna give me this much room, I'm gonna run and just do it. I'm gonna stop at the first down marker, and they did that so many times. The Brendan Schooler touchdown, they have yep. trips to the short side of the field. All right, they got they got trips to the short side of the field. Got the running back offset through offset there too. So everybody in UTEP's thinking, all right, well the, the strength is over here. They're definitely going to run to the short side of the field, or they're going to throw to the short side of the field. That's where the route concept is coming. They got Brendan Schooler alone by his lonesome, all out there by himself. So you know the corner is in man to man coverage. So the corner freaks out and starts mm-hmm. backing up, gives him like eight nine yards. Brendan Schooler just runs a curl route. Corner can't tackle. Boom, and it's, it's at the same. Yeah. They ran that same. It's a simple concept, but yeah. it's just like, hey, let's get let's get our guy one on one. Can we get our guy one on one with their guy? Our guy's better. Boom, yeah, we win. And a lot of the concepts were just that simple, and that's why I loved what they did with twelve personnel because a lot of the twelve personnel was built schematically around scheming guys open. Yes. And there were times where guys were schemed open in this Yershit system, not just guy out there beating another guy yep. and making a spectacular catch like Colin Johnson. No, actually, he was wide open because the scheme actually led to it. What, what you said, what you just described, Rod, that is, I think if you're a Texas fan, that is what you hope would be the perfect marriage between the Tom Herman pro spread and his philosophy and Mike Yershit's coming in and tweaking this thing and taking it to another level yep. because that's Mike Yershit saying, yeah, I do like that we can be a matchup-based offense. But let's do it in a smart way, and let's do it where we're relying more on scheme rather than just my guy's better than your guy. Our guys are better than their guys, yep. especially in the game Schemes where you're going to have to be UTEP. But let's just give our guys a little bit of an edge. Rod, and that takes me to the receiver group, which we talked about this outside receiver group. And even coming out of camp, Tom Herman said it. We heard it off the record. Rod, I know you talked to people. like The staff was not very high on that outside receiver mm-hmm. group. There, There's a reason why. Uh, you know, they praised Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington, and, and they talked about Tariq Black. They didn't really talk about anybody else. There's a reason why Tom Herman's still talking about, hey, I wish you guys could have gotten to see Troy O'Mary. He was really good. Mm-hmm. He was really good before that knee injury. <laughs> and uh, Tom even said after the game it was more of, hey, we're going to throw it early, throw it off, and see what you guys are made of, who's made of what, and see who's going to step up. Yeah. It, was a, it was a challenge to that group. And that group, to a man, I mean – of those out, of those primary outside receivers, Rod, five of those guys scored touchdowns. Amazing. Well, when you scheme guys open, you can get a lot out of guys, and that's a big part. I mean, we've watched college football, and you can just replace anybody with a wide receiver and get production. And it happens at the NFL level, and Texas hadn't had it for years, and it's been frustrating. But like you said right there, I mean, the schooler play was a great one. There's been a handful of others, and then just all the details on top of it that, like, the players understand what is being done conceptually. So, like, when they're out there on the field and it's being implemented, it really does look that easy. Just simple details like rotating on that curl to schooler on the outside and throwing them outside and understanding that since there's no safety, he's taking that curl outside and down the sideline. And just little simple, smart things that have been instilled and that are conceptually part of the offense that then just going to make your players be amplified to another level. Lo- I love what they did with the 12 personnel. When they went old school 12 personnel, and they did a lot with it. Sometimes they went trips. Sometimes they had the 
uh, the stacked bunch twins on mm-hmm. each side with one tight end and one receiver. Kind of your clear but, classic shotgun doubles. Yeah, so yeah. when they went just simple, uh, both tight ends were inline tight ends, hand in the dirt, uh, 12 personnel. You would see UTEP load the box because UTEP's fear is that, oh, hell, now they got, you know, eight, nine guys in the box that they used to plus one with Sam Ellinger. They're going to run it down our freaking throats. So they would load the box. And what and what did Texas do? Simple. I don't know if it was Sam Ellinger checking or if that was just a natural uh, check to the numbers advantage, but they would take it outside. They, they would leave their corners one-on-one. They'd tell their corners to back off because they didn't want to get beat deep. So it was simple pitch and catch. It was just Tariq Black right down the field, curl route, boom, boom. Yep. And it was it, Josh, it was easy, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't even I mean that was part of the scheme, but if you're take what the defense is giving you. Yeah. If yeah. they're gonna put eight guys in a box to stop the run, which by the way, they should, because I think Texas using that twelve personnel can can run down some big twelve teams throats now like they did versus UTEP, but um, but when a team decides that they want to win the numbers battle or match the numbers battle inside, mm-hmm. go win the numbers battle outside. There's mm-hmm. one out there too. Yeah. Matter of fact, Texas did this when are. Texas did. Texas had the third and one. They would do a what they call kind of a stairway stack trips. You know what I'm talking about? Where yeah. they would have the three three players, and they would also put the tight end over there in that formation. And when they did this, they threw it to Jordan Whittington on a third and one. Mm-hmm. Um, he catches it, simple wide receiver screen, boom, gets the first down. Yeah. And the reason they threw it was because UTEP was thinking to themselves, okay, you know what, uh, I-, I need to match numbers here. But they, they, only, they, only put two, they only put basically three guys outside. They put three guys out there. Mm-hmm. Texas three on three, that's a win. Yep, man, man, man. We got yeah, it. So the numbers advantage switched from inside. To outside. So Texas side, all right, well, I'm just going to throw it out there because that's the same thing as a run play. That's a long yeah. handoff to Texas. And so I just, I like conceptually what they're trying to do. And then when you add on to it, becomes a math problem in two ways. Not only the one you're talking about, but then against a the defense when they're, you're consuming them by their levels. And the, if it's your pass game against the different levels mm-hmm. of the coverage, it really does become a math problem because once one commits here, one commits here. Sam already knows it's almost as if his mind's uh, CPU processing which level is going to be vacant, and that's just where the defense is going to dictate where you go, and that's when you have plays that are well-schemed that you understand the reasoning behind this schematic and this guy going this way, this guy going here, is to consume each one X until you get down to that last vacant one, and that's where you're going to have somebody running free, and that's what happens all the time at the top-level offenses across all of football. just like the the touchdown pass to Kai Money, who was one of the best stories coming out of this game, uh, the touchdown pass to Kai Money, saying, you know, Rod, I can't remember the last time Texas ran that clear out concept around a goal line. It's, oh, the pick, yeah, they said pick route. Yeah, I yeah. can't can't remember the last time that happened. But Sam said he's like, I, he's like, I knew I was going to Kai. He's like, he's like, it wasn't necessarily you know planning on it, but he's like, I looked at it, knew the route concept, saw they were in zero coverage. I knew that's where I was going with the ball. It's, it's, Did he check to that? I thought he checked before that too. Uh. He, he def- might have checked. He, he definitely audible before that. But I don't know what he was. Doing. Maybe he was changing the protection. He might have he- changed. He might have changed up. But he said he knew once he saw they were zero coverage. He knew that's that's where he was going. So he wanted to go. That was my go to play in NFL game day '98. It's clear out. Yeah, it, it's like you said, <laughs> it's Rod. It's impossible simple. To yeah. do anything. when you look, when you read. I, I like Can't the way you it. laid that out, Rod, better than I probably could have because it's it's really when you really easy when you look at the numbers. Your your numbers advantage isn't necessarily. In the box, it could be outside, depending on what you're doing formationally. The other play I wanted to mention real quick, um, we know Tom Herman loves the tailback wheel in the red zone, loves that concept. Mm -hmm. And the one time I remember them trying to run it, go back and watch the Tariq Black touchdown. Roshan Johnson's on a wheel, and Uh UTEP kind of saw that it was coming. So everybody carries Roshan Johnson on the wheel route. Nobody counted for Tariq Black coming on the crosser over the middle, and that was an easy pitch and catch. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I got to go back and look at that play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, like I said, some of the, some of you saw the you saw the basic foundation of the pro spread of Tom Herman scheme. Though it wasn't it wasn't like it was scrapped. Right. It just was. It was it was remixed. It was the amplified. new interpretation. Yeah, I just think it was a a kind of renewed, revitalized version of it. Because I saw I saw a lot of the same, you know. Basic concepts that Tom Herman loves, like you said, that will route. Um, I saw a lot of those, you know, but it seemed like there was just a little added flavor to it, a little more creativity added to it. Yeah. Some cheat codes yeah, added It's kind of like, I think you described it this way, Rod, and, and I like this analogy for what Mike Yersich is doing. It's like he's flipping a house. 
Like he goes in and looks at his house. He's like, no, this, you know what? This house has good bones, but we're, we're going to gut a lot of it. But I, I like the bone structure. And it's like, well, do you, you like, what about this breakfast, Knuckle Claire? I was like, no, no, no. I, I actually like that there. Let's, let's <laughs> leave, we'll leave that. We'll yeah. leave that. We'll go do something. Leave that, though. I like that. I can do something with that. Now you're right. You got to just evolve like it. That. And, and that's the thing. Tom Herman knows you got to be ever changing. You got to stay ahead of that curve. And it's not always going to stay the same. So, an evolved version of his offense. Before mm-hmm. we get out, and we'll, we'll expand on this next week. And as we get ready to, to look ahead to the Texas Tech game, Rod, my only complaint with the offense was I thought the offensive line in the run game period was just kind of hit or miss. It, it flashed a little bit, but not consistent. And, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt from this standpoint. When you didn't get, I mean, we talked about it. Like, Rod, when was the last time you heard of a second camp scrimmage going 35 plays? Like, you just didn't have a ton of live contact in camp. Mm-hmm. And that group is the one position group more than any other that needs it, that needs those live reps. So I agree with this. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from the offensive line. Just not as complete of a game as I think Herb Hand probably would have liked to have seen that group play. Yeah, I think their highlights were pass blocking. Um, Pro Football Focus had them greatest of third best offensive line in the country. I Thanks, mean, UTEP. I don't think UTEP, do they have – I know. That's no, no, I mean, that's only yeah, because, no, no, no. And that's, yeah. the, that's where a big part about these grading systems are. It's, it's like, well, they're grading how you performed against UTEP while they're grading somebody else's performance against somebody totally else. Agree. So, like, one, just to point that out to the fans. No sacks and one hurry on 41 pass attempts. I, was, I think it was mostly pass blocking yeah. is where they shine, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, gentlemen, we uh, no good. 2020, we, it took us a long damn time to get here, but we got here, and <laughs> it is off to a good start. Uh, I have fitting for 2020, Texas football is good. It's bizarro. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll kind of clean up some things with the UTEP game. Next week we'll have, some, I'm sure, some personnel uh, situations to discuss on next week's show. And we'll get into the Big 12 opener in less than two weeks in All Lubbock. Right. Against Texas Tech. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Hey, you're more than welcome. Rod, do you appreciate the time and the knowledge? Anytime, brother. Anytime. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM 1260. Streaming on the Horn app at hornfm.com where you can get Rod and me each and every weekday on the triple option for later 7. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, classic shows, and interviews. Everything Longhorn Blitz related is available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to like us and leave us a review wherever you find. You get your podcast. You can search Horns 24-7 Podcast. You get us, you get State of Recruiting and the flagship. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcast. And again, don't forget to like us and leave us that five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.